We're still teaching in the Psalms. We're in the 35th tonight. Psalm 35. We taught 33 and 34 in our last lesson. Now Psalm 35. This is a psalm that doesn't seem might warn you that I like to, one would really pray and praise uh, in a sense because David is confronted with his enemies and in times of trial he does look to God but doesn't say a whole lot of good things about his enemies. We know we're to pray for our enemies but we're not to let our enemies destroy us either. And that's what David was concerned about. He didn't want uh, those that were set against him to do him in and destroy him so he had to plead his cause before God. And so he looks to God and this is the tried the psalm of the tried saint. He's being tried. Psalm of David. Notice in verse 1 he says, Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with fight against them that fight against me. In other words, he wanted God on his side, didn't he? And he wanted God to be his advocate. He said for the Lord to plead his cause. The Bible says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He pleads our cause against all the attacks of our enemies. We have great enemies, the world and the flesh and the devil. We're thankful that the Bible tells us that we have an advocate, one that takes our case before the Father. And then in verse 2 he says, Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. We not only have a an advocate in verse 1, but we have a captain in verse 2. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. Jesus is our captain. In Hebrews 2 verse 10 it says, The captain of our salvation was made perfect through suffering. Jesus is pointed out as being the, our captain. Verse 3, our defender. Now look, if you want to write a, a word by each one of these, write advocate by verse 1, write captain by verse 2, write defender by verse 3, and you can just write a word of suggestion, and I'll give you those again. Advocate, verse 1. Captain, verse 2. Defender, verse 3. Here's our defender in Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. It says, he's our salvation, he's our rock, and he's our defense. So when we need a defender, we'll find that in verse 3. He says, draw out also the spear and stop the way against them. In other words, you defend me. And stop the way against them that persecute me. Say unto my soul, I am thy salvation. Be my defender. Be my assurance. And then in verse 4, he is our wisdom as well. Look at this. Let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought to sin that devise my hurt. Now then, he is our wisdom, but he is also wise enough to put to confusion those that would rise up against us. Now then, you know, when we read Psalms like this, it's almost inevitable that we stop at some point in time and say that in the New Testament the Lord teaches us to pray for our enemies and to do good to those that persecute us and accuse us falsely, and that is very true. But on the other hand, uh, I believe the Lord expects us to put up a defense against those that would really destroy us. And this is the nature of the psalm of, of uh, David here, because remember David as he faced Saul. He had a chance, opportunity after opportunity, to destroy his enemy that was after his, his life. Remember, uh, Saul throwed a javelin at him and hit against the wall and just barely missed David. The Lord delivered him out of the hand of Saul time and time again. And Saul was a, an enemy to David, and yet David had an opportunity time and again to destroy his enemy, and he would not because he said, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. And, and Saul was anointed king over Israel. Even though he was a king after the people's choice, God's 
gave them their wish and anointed him king. And uh, David respected that. And yet David didn't want to be completely uh, destroyed by his enemy. And that, thus you find this manner of prayer. In other words, put my enemy to confusion so that he won't destroy me. So it says, let them be confounded and put to shame that seek after my soul. Let them be turned back and brought into confusion that devise my hurt. And I don't believe it's a, a wrong thing, I should say, to pray that God would confuse those that try to destroy us. And a lot of people have found fault with uh, David's psalm here in, in, in uh, pleading and praying and asking such, uh, the things that he asked here. And then we find that uh, not only in verse 4 we find the word wisdom, but verse 5, how about refiner? It says, let them be as chaff before the wind, and let the angel of the Lord chase them. You know, there's a refiner of the chaff. The refiner uh, destroys the chaff. The Bible says, thoroughly purge his floor and burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire, it said concerning Jesus. That that, uh, uh, John the Baptist is speaking, that he will thoroughly purge his floor and he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The Lord will be a purger and a refiner. And then in verse uh, 6, uh, you might put the word light beside it. It says, let their way be dark and slippery, and let the angel of the Lord persecute them. So their way is in darkness, but God's way for his people is in light. And Jesus is our light in spite of the darkness of our uh, enemies and our opposition. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that followeth after me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John chapter 8, verse 12. And the Bible says, walk in the light as he is in the light. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now we come down to verse 7 and 8. We'll read them together. For without cause, without cause, notice, uh, have they hid me, uh, have they hid for me their net in a pit, which without cause they have digged for my soul. They set a trap for him. He says, let destruction come upon him at unawares, and let his net that he hath hid catch himself into that very destruction, let him fall. So you might put deliverer by these two verses. Deliverer. And what is it? He is our deliverer out of the snares of the enemy. The Bible tells us that we may be delivered out of the snare of the devil. And the devil has many traps and devices. We're not ignorant, Paul says, of his devices. And here, the prayer is, and the desire of the psalmist is, that these fall into their own trap. And you know this has happened time and time again when people would set out to destroy God's people. They'd find out that they'd end up in their own uh, trap, in their own scheme. It happened to Haman, didn't it? Haman was after Mordecai, and he says, I'll get that, that uh, Jew, and I'll build this gallows. And he built this high gallows, and he said, this is the gallows to hang Mordecai on. And finally turned around and hanged Haman on the gallows that he had built for Mordecai. So it doesn't pl- pay to fight against God or God's people. And uh, there, there are wicked men. We have to face that. We would that people be saved. We would that, that all would come to repentance. God's will... He says, God is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. But they will not all come to repentance. Jesus said, you will not come unto me that you might have life. 
And he says, whether I go, you cannot come. Now, you cannot because you, what? Will not. Right? And they cannot have life. They cannot uh, go where Jesus is because they will not come. And there are people that are rebellious and sinful and, and wicked and will refuse the, the deliverance that the Lord has provided. And so in this light, David prays for them to be caught uh, in their own trap that they had set for him. Now, verse 9 and 10, we find, we find the source of joy, if you want to write. He is the source of our joy. And my soul shall be joyful in the Lord. It shall rejoice in his salvation. All my bones shall say, Lord, who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him, yea, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him. Notice the rejoicing here. He's the source of joy. He says, my soul is joyful. I'm joy- I will rejoice in his salvation. And even all, he says, all my bones shall say. It's as if his whole being, even the very bones of his body would cry out as well as his voice. Who is like unto thee, which delivers the poor from him that is too strong for him? I quote a scripture every once in a while concerning the fact of God's providence. You know, Brother Nichols was reading about the twists and turns in life. And in God's providence, he has so worked it out that he will take care of those that are stronger than we are and those that would spoil us, the poor and the needy from him that spoileth him that would do us in. And another scripture says, I have seen under the sun, the Ecclesiastes, the preacher, Solomon, the son of David. He says, I have seen under the sun, I beheld under the sun, that the race is not to the swift, and I've quoted it time and again, nor the battle to the strong. You say, well, you know, the swift should win the race. The strong should win the battle. But it's not always that way. It says time and chance have happened to them all. In other words, in the providence of God, he can see to it that those that would, uh, would, uh, that are too strong for us are made weak in the day of, of the battle. And those that would spoil us are put to, to flight as well. They can't do anything about it. Now we come down to the false witnesses. David's enemies are described here. False witness, witnesses did rise up they laid to my charge things that I knew not. David said, I didn't even know anything about it. You know, the Bible says a false witness will speak lies. There are false witnesses that will speak lies. Jesus said, when they say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. When they say that, he says, great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. He said, rejoice when they will say all manner of evil against you falsely. Make sure it's falsely, though. Right? If you're accused falsely, the Bible says you have a great reward. We never thought of it much that way, did we? Here's a fellow speaking falsely about us. And uh, Jesus said, rejoice in it. He said, rejoice? This guy telling all these lies on Yeah, because greater is your reward in heaven. This guy doesn't know that he's really given you a lot of rewards in heaven. If he knew that, he'd shut up real quick, wouldn't he? Say, I don't want to bless that guy by my false falsehood. But see, he doesn't understand that. But God says, the Lord says, that's the way it is. He says in verse 12, they rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul. They acted cruel. You might put by 11 false witnesses. You might put by 12 acted cruel. They rewarded me evil for 
for good to the spoiling of my soul. But then, beginning with verse 13, we see how David acted toward his enemies. He acted differently than they did. As, but as for me, you know, you can let those, three, those four words, but as for me, be the turning point in your life. You can look at what your enemies do. You can think about all the, the uh, uh, dangers you're in. And you can ask God's help, which you should. And you can think of how they treat you. But then you can think of how you should act. What should you do? Like Brother Jim was saying, put your hand in the hand of the man that's still the waters. You, you do what's right. You, be along, you let God lead you and guide you. But as for me... Never mind, others. As for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. In other words, I had sympathy. Put sympathy by verse 13. And also travail. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. See, he was, he was praying for them. He begins to show that he's the real saint of God, That though he's a tribe saint, but he's the kind of person that he should be. But as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. In other words, I was in mourning for them. I humbled my soul with fasting, and my prayer returned into my own bosom. And he means by that that he prayed for those that uh, were his enemies when they were sick, but God continued to chasten or to, uh, to uh, punish or judge his enemies, even though David's heart was right. He says, my prayer came uh, back to my own bosom, returned into my own bosom. In other words, God didn't answer my prayer for them, though I was praying for their help, for their healing. And I had sympathy toward them. And the reason he didn't, because God was judging. You see, God wouldn't answer this prayer because of the fact that he was judging those that, that, David, uh, that were persecuting David. Verse 14 says, I behave myself as though he had been my friend or brother. And if he's speaking directly about Saul, he did. He tried to treat uh, Saul as a friend and a brother. And Saul tried to treat him as an enemy and destroy him. You know, I wouldn't be around very long if a guy was throwing a javelin at me, would you? And David would come back. You know, he'd call back for David. David would come back and play on his heart and soothe his uh, 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 disquieted spirit that Saul had. And he'd come back and play on his heart and try to to uh, bring him a little comfort. And he says, I behave myself as though he had been my friend or my brother. I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother. So he was really in travail, in prayer. In verse uh, 15, now there won't be so many that will be just a, a word to look to, but there might be a word that will express it. But in verse 15, you might put, uh, uh, they were united in their efforts. He says, but in mine adversity, look at this, in mine adversity they rejoiced and gathered themselves together. They were united. David's enemies were united in their efforts. Yea, the abjects gathered themselves together. You see that? Against me, and I knew it not. They did uh, tear me and cease not. Sometimes we find that it's not just one person, but it, there are many that conspire together against God's people. Now I want you to notice something else. Down in verse uh, uh, 16, it says, With hypocritical mockers and thieves, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. With hypocritical mockers 
And each word there would express what this verse stands about. Verse 17, he begins to make his plea to the Lord. David says, Lord, how long wilt thou uh, look on? Rescue my soul from their destructions, my darling from the, uh, from the lions. He says, Lord, how long? As if God was just looking on without any concern and doing nothing about it. Do you ever feel like that? Say, Lord, how long is this going to go on? How long is it going to be till you uh, wake up and listen to what I'm saying and do something about it? Take some action. God's always on time. Maybe the long time is for us to keep on pleading and keep on trusting and to, and to almost a little bit more and to make us uh, better people and to realize our, our sins and shortcomings. There's a whole lot of things that, that, that happens to us when he's long in answering. You know, we come to God and we say, God, I want you to do this immediately, right now. We want it done yesterday, don't we? But the thing about it is, sometimes in waiting, and sometimes the trial, as it continues on, brings us closer to God, makes us more humble, makes us more sympathetic, makes us more loving, makes us more caring, and makes us less proud, and it brings the pride of man down, and we see that we're in God's hands, and without him, we can do nothing. It does a lot of things for us. So there's a purpose in him being long. And he says, Lord, how long wilt thou look on? As if God were just looking on unconcerned. Rescue my soul from their destruction, my darling from the lions, my only one. In other words, he's speaking of himself, his dear own body and soul. Rescue him. And then he says in verse 18, I will give thee thanks in the great congregation. I will praise thee among much people. He promises to give God all the glory. And that's not a bad promise to make. We should promise God that we'll try to do the best we can by His grace to be faithful. By the way, if you promise God anything, if you make any promise, you make sure you add by the grace of God. Because otherwise it's like Peter's promise that I will never... Uh, forsake thee and I'll never deny you and I'm ready to go with thee to prison and to death and on in that sense we're we're depending upon ourselves to not uh, fall but if we depend upon God he'll keep our feet from falling he says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord though he fall or stumble so as to fall he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand I'd rather have the Lord uphold me with his hand than to me try to hold up myself with my own strength. So we depend upon his, his uh, help. And then his plea according to righteousness in verse 19. Let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. See? Wink the, with the eye that, uh, that hate me without a cause. Let them wink with the, neither let them wink with the eye that hate me without a cause. And so his plea here was according to his righteousness. He says, uh, let not them that are mine enemies wrongfully rejoice over me. In other words, if I deserve it, it would be a different story. But if they're wrongfully rejoicing, that's not the thing he desired. And then uh, from now on, you have a plea made by David for various things. And in verse 20, you might write peace beside it, a plea for peace. For they speak not peace, but they devise deceitful matters against them that are quiet in the land. They speak not peace. But God's people are to pursue peace, to, to desire peace. 
Psalm 120, verse 7 says, I am for peace. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 9, Blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemakers are blessed. Romans 12, verse 18 says, Live peaceably with all men. As much as is possible, as much as you possibly can, live peaceably with all men. Verses 21 and 22, he verified his charges by the Lord. The Lord was going to take his side and verify his charges. Yea, they opened their mouth wide against me and said, Ah, aha, aha, or I have seen it. This thou hast seen, O Lord. Keep not silence, O Lord. Be not far from me. He knows that God has seen what they have done. You see, we need not wonder that God is asleep on the job. Sometimes we think, well, first of all, he thought God was too long in acting. Now he says, uh, God, he says, this thou hast seen, we are reminded that God sees it all and knows. Keep not silence, O Lord, be not far from me. Notice this. In verse 23, it's a plea for action. He says, stir up thyself and awake to my judgment, even unto my cause, my God and my Lord. He's asking God to, to uh, begin to do something. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment. You know, we don't have to ask God to stir himself up. God is always stirred up. God's always ready. God's always on the job. And we don't have to remind him of what he should do. But David felt like he he needed to get God's attention again. Stir up thyself and awake to my judgment. The Bible says in one of the Psalms, He that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's always on the job. Day and night is alike unto him. He doesn't go to sleep at night. The night is light unto God, says in the book of Daniel. Day and night are both alike. So we find that uh, we don't need to worry about what God does. He's going to take care of it. In verse 24, judge. He asked the Lord to judge him. Judge me, O Lord, my God, according to thy righteousness, and let them not rejoice over me. He asked the Lord to be his judge. In another place, he said in Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. When you invite God to be your judge, you better be right with God, because he knows all about us. And let us dare not say, God, look and search my heart. If we know something's wrong in there, we better confess that first and then say, search my heart. But uh, if we're in the place that we're trying to walk in harmony with, with God's Word and God's will and the leadership of His Holy Spirit, and we're doing the very best we can, we can ask God to search our heart and try us. He says, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. So that if there is... Anything in, in our heart that's standing between that, it, that we'd be gotten rid of, that we'll be reminded of it, that God will point it out to us, and He will. He, he's able to point out our faults and failures, our sins and shortcomings, our feelings, our motivations. Sometimes we have to check everything about our inmost being. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt to take a spiritual inventory once in a while and look inside and say, how, am I, how is my heart about compassion? How am I... How am I in love? How am I in being legalistic? How am I in judging others? How am I in treating other people? How, how do my words come forth? Do I, uh, do I show any compassion and tenderness and care about other folks? How do I speak to God? Do I confess all that's in my heart? So take a spiritual inventory. It wouldn't hurt us to do that, would it? It helps a great deal. So judge me, O Lord, 
my God, according to thy righteousness, and let not let them not rejoice over me. Now in verse 25, uh, let them not say in their hearts, ah, so would we have have it. Let them not say we have swallowed him up. He asked the Lord to overrule the plans of his enemies. We might put overrule the plans of the enemies here. Judge and overrule. And then verse 26, let them be ashamed and brought to confusion together that rejoice at mine hurt. Let them be clothed with shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Those that were rejoicing at his hurt. He says, let them be put to shame and dishonor that magnify themselves against me. Verse 27, he speaks of the righteous rejoicing and for them to have a just cause to rejoice. Let them shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. The righteous have a just cause to rejoice. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which hath pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. To be called a servant of God is one of the best things that you can be called. A servant. And my tongue, look at the last verse, rejoice all the day long and praise all the day long. It says, And my tongue shall speak of thy righteousness and of thy praise all the day long. Are we to cease praising God? In Psalm 71, verse 15, it says this, My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. So it's all the day long that we should rejoice and praise the Lord. Now then, Psalm 36 is 12 verses. Look at it. The transgression of the wicked saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. The wicked have no fear of God before their eyes. You know, their unholiness is a clear evidence of ungodliness. The transgression of the wicked there uh, saith within my heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. The wicked do not fear God. They're rebels. They rebel against God. In Romans 3, 3 verse 18, it says there is no fear of God before their eyes. And then, look at verse 2. The wicked deceives himself with flattery. He flatters himself. For he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. He flatters himself in his own eyes. Flattery. Boasting in himself. Well, that's a good lesson, isn't it? <laughs> Boasting in himself. I'm convinced that most of us too many times think too much of ourselves. And it says that he flattereth himself in his own eyes until his iniquity be found to be hateful. In other words, he deceives himself with this, doesn't he? He thinks he's worth more than he is. It's been said if you could buy some people for what they think they're worth, or buy some people for what they're worth and sell them for what they think they're worth, well, you'd make a good profit, wouldn't you? So, we find that we're not worth that much. And that God can do it without any of us when the time comes. It says, the words of his mouth are iniquity and deceit. He's a hypocrite. Look, he hath left off to be wise and to do good. He's left off goodness and wisdom. He's foolish and barren of any good, and he's worthless. The Bible says there's none that doeth good, no, not one. There are many scriptural references. Jeremiah 4, verse 22 would be a good one if you want to put it down. And in verse 4, he plans mischief. Look at verse 4. He devises mischief 
upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. He abhorreth not evil. Look at these three things. First, he plans mischief. The Bible speaks of those that are full of subtlety and all mischief. In Proverbs 11, verse 27. <clears throat> he deviseth mischief upon his bed. At night when he's lying on his bed, he's thinking about what evil he can do. He's studious in wickedness. He thinks about it. Thinks how he can get the best of people. Thinks of how he can do uh, the wickedness he can do to people. You say, are there people like that? Yes, I've known a few in my life. I've known a few in the recent years that actually devise how they can do another fellow in. They try to figure it out. And most of them, don't, they don't care if they steal. They don't care uh, if they do you in. They don't care if they take advantage of you. And you're pretty naive if you don't believe that there are people like that. They have no consciousness of doing those things. They just think, it's all right if I can get ahead by it. Just, just do it anyway. They don't care who they walk on, who they hurt, who they take advantage of, what they steal. I remember one time I had a, on the property I have down in Riddosa Downs, I had a, a butane tank, a great big thing. It held at least 500 gallons, or maybe more, I don't know, maybe a thousand gallon tank. It was a great big huge tank. Set on that lot and somebody kept trying to buy it from me. Somebody may know the story and I think I know the story of it, but I won't tell all of it. But anyway, some guy kept asking me, what did you take for that butane thing? I said, I don't want to sell it. It belongs to the property. It was full of gas. And you know, you couldn't just back up a little old pickup up there and load the thing up. I mean, full of that much gas. Take a winch truck or something, get a hold of it. And the fellow had to have the equipment to move it. One day I went by there. Pipe was disconnected and the big old heavy tracks were backed up there. It was gone. But I think I know the guy that kept trying to get me to sell it to him for nothing may have taken it all. And there were some other people right around about that were uh, all associated with it. But anyway, to make a long story short, there are people that have no consciousness about anything like that. They just want to get it. One day I went over and the one I have over there now, was uh, the regulator was disconnected from it and I, they was about to take it off and I turned the lid down and put a padlock on it. But... You know, people will do anything. There, there are people that will steal. There are people that will take advantage of any situation. They desire, devise mischief. They ask how. They try to find out how they can uh, do these things and not be caught in it. Not only theft, but many other things. Doing bodily harm, doing other kinds of harm. There are wicked people in the world, is what I'm trying to tell you. He deviseth mischief upon his bed. He setteth himself in a way that is not good. In other words, he's determined to go the wrong way. He sets himself in a way that is not good, and he abhorreth not evil. He's indifferent toward evil. The Bible tells us things that the Lord hates, and one says, "In heart that deviseth wicked imaginations." In Proverbs six, verse sixteen through nineteen, and then we find on down, beginning with verse uh, five, the Lord is being praised first of all for His mercy. In verse 5, Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. Mercy in the heavens. Mercy comes down to us from heaven. Mercy is where God is, and mercy comes down to the sons of men. And his mercy, what? What does it do? Look at it. Thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, and thy faithfulness reacheth unto the clouds. 
Then he says, Thy righteousness is like the great mountains. What's the great mountains? Great mountains that are solid. God's righteousness is unmovable and dependable. Solid. That's God's righteousness and His faithfulness. And then we find in verse 6, we talk about the last part of verse 6. Thy judgments are a great deep, deep, O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. His judgments. We can always, we cannot always understand his actions, but he acts proper, and we can rest assured he acts according to wisdom and to, according to mercy. Thy righteousness is like the great mountains, thy judgments are a great deep, O Lord, thou preservest man and beast. They come down. His, his judgments, his mercy, everything reached down, reached down even to all of his creatures. Everything that's upon the earth. Sometimes we go out and we water the birds out in the bird, you know, the, the watering place or the bird bath, we call them. And we go out and put water out there. Sometimes if I fail to take a gallon of water down and put in the bird bath, well, my wife thinks the birds are going to not have any water. They'll get it somewhere. God's got a place for them to get some water. Of course, it's nice to see them out there drinking, too. I like that. But you see, this whole universe is not dependent dependent upon each one of us. It depends upon God. He's the one that provides when there's no provision. Have you ever thought, well, what would happen if, if you were to die as a man of the house? What would happen to your family? There would be a way. We say it would be hard for a person. Certainly it would be. But God has a way of taking care of those that are can have no way of taking care of themselves. I think of Karen up there in the hospital for all these years towards little sister, my little niece. She's 40, what, 2, 3, 4, 45, 45 in May. And she's been taken care of all of her life from one way or the other. And she's up there. And they're taking care of her. I, go in, I went in to see her the other day and she just smiled. I said, this is Uncle Wayne. And she just grinned. And I said, do you remember singing the song, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know? And I sang it to her. And her little eyes just lit up and she just, ah. That's about all she can say. Open her mouth. She remembered it, though. And, you know, the thing about it is, God is the one that takes care of us, really. Nancy's taken care. Troy's taken care. We've taken care. Milton took care. We try to do what we can. Everyone does. But... The thing about it is, there's always a way. And nothing is absolutely dependent upon you and I. Not anything. It's dependent upon God. Because He's the one that takes care of things. He says, O Lord, Thou preservest man and beast. In verse 7, quickly. How excellent is Thy loving kindness, O God. Therefore the children of men put their trust under the shadow of Thy wings. Look here. Look at God's... Loving kindness and God's tender care. How excellent is thy loving kindness. It's not only kindness, but it's loving kindness. And men trust him. And they put their trust under the shadow of thy wings. Here's care and tenderness. Tender care. Remember Jesus cried out and said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathereth her chicken under her wings. But he would not. You ever been out there on the farm and the rain start coming or hail and that old hen, mother hen spread her wings out and all those little chicks get under there? She doesn't care if she gets beat half to death. Those chicks are safe. 
or she'll head for the hen house with them, get them all in, in under another shelter. But she spreads her wings out to protect them. The Lord has tender care for us. In verse 8, they shall abundantly be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of thy house. God has plenty of provision for us. When the Lord provides, there's enough. And thou shalt make them drink of the river of thy pleasure. He has pleasures that men do not understand. He has a river of pleasure. And then verse 9, he has a fountain of life. For with thee is the fountain of life. In thy light shall we see light. He not only has the fountain of the river of pleasure, but he has the fountain of life for us. And he is light. In verse 10, O continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee. The psalmist prayed for God's blessings to continue to the righteous. Sometimes we think God's going to quit. You know, God's been good to us so far. I've had a good life, and He's blessed us, and He's provided, and all this. But you know, I'm just really shook up about tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen. Well, who does? Who does? The Lord does. He's the only one that does. And we used to say that today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. All day long you worried about it. And it's not nearly as bad as you could have imagined, is it? How bad is it? Pretty good, isn't it? It's better than we thought. If you look back five years ago and you say, I don't know that I could have been here today with these blessings and all the blessings God has given me, the family, the children, the church, the people, the blessings, the provisions, all through these years, and yet it's been there. Because of God's faithfulness. Oh, continue. He says, Oh, continue thy loving kindness unto them that know thee, and thy righteousness to the upright in heart. And then he says, Let not the foot of pride come against me. He prayed for the Lord's protection from the things that would hinder God's blessings upon us. And let not the hand of the wicked remove me. If it were not for God's protection, we'd be in a terrible strait. And then in verse 12, our last verse, There are the workers of iniquity fallen. There are the workers of iniquity fallen. They are cast down and shall not be able to rise. He prayed for God's protection for his own, but he didn't pray for the workers of iniquity because he knew that God would uh, bring judgment upon those that would not turn to him. So I think we've gotten a few things out of these two psalms.